0: December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. It's history. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. The events. I'm not quite to the noise, Let man. goes oh. humanity. From this time and place. The figures. I take pride in the words. Ich bin ein If we dig deep in our history and our doctrine and remember that we are not descended from fearful men. It's hardcore history. I'm not one of those people who knows with any sort of confidence what's gonna happen after I die, I know people who are very sure that they know what's going to happen. i less sure, I guess you could say, but I have some hopes. I'm one of those people that hopes that when we leave this world, we can get some questions answered. There's a lot of mysteries that fascinate me in life and especially in history that I would love to someday know that I'm going to find out what happened. I don't, really have a lot of hopes of living long enough to get some answers to a lot of these things. I mean, it would take decades of archaeological research and a lot of luck to find out answers to any one of these historical mysteries that fascinate me. So I'm hoping that when we pass away, we can get some answers to some of this stuff. And if you were going to look at my top 10 list of most fascinating and bedeviling mysteries of history that I would like an answer to, somewhere in that top 10 list, would be the question, what the heck happened at the end of the Bronze Age? For those of you who already know, a little review here for those who don't, the end of the Bronze Age, ladies and gentlemen, was one of the great calamities of human history. A cataclysm, an Armageddon, there's no stronger terms to describe it. Some historians have said that what happened at the end of the Bronze Age to sweep away the very, very old world, we did a World War I show recently where we said that the First World War swept away the old world. Well, whatever it was that happened at the end of the Bronze Age swept away the very, very old world. And I'm dying to know what that is. It's fascinated historians forever. As I said, one historian said that it was worse than the collapse of the Western Roman Empire. And the Western Roman Empire, of course, when it collapsed in the, you know, between the three and five hundreds A.D. is when it was falling apart and in its death throes, it left behind something that we call today the Dark Age, not a Dark Age, the Dark Age. That is the period between the collapse of the Western Roman Empire and the beginning of medieval times. But those of you who study human history know that Dark Ages are a standard feature of human history. We rarely progress in a straight line of development. Usually you get periods of stability and growth and civilization and improving literacy and improving wealth and improving lifestyles, followed by periods of backsliding for one reason or the other. I mean, a perfect example is when the Western Roman Empire fell, it was only a couple of generations later that the people in Western Europe would look at the things created by the Romans, have no idea how a person could have built the aqueducts or some of these walls, and they just assumed that giants or gods did them. That's an example of what happens when you backslide into a period with less literacy, less understanding, less learning, less technology, and forgetting all the old skills and values you know, that a, an unbroken period of civilization can confer upon you? Well, a lot of historians will say that the disruption that was caused by the collapse of the Bronze Age was worse than the disruption caused by the collapse of the Western Roman Empire. And that is really saying something. Let's back up a little bit and talk about what the heck the Bronze Age was. The Bronze Age is just another period that human beings in modern times have labeled. Makes it easier to study, easier to talk about it. We break human history down and prehistory down into these eras. Have the Neolithic have the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, and we subdivide them into the early and the late, and you know how it goes. And then we date them. And this is another problem. The farther back you go in history, the more problematic dating becomes. And there's a lot of controversy about dates in the Bronze Age. But I think it's pretty safe to say that somewhere between 1300 B.C. and 1100 B.C., something horrifying happened in the Western world. In the area where the Mediterranean Sea touches, that's a good way to describe a lot of the ancient world that we're talking about here, that region was enjoying one of its golden ages. And then all of a sudden, it stopped. It didn't just get stopped, it got steamrolled. In a period of 100 years, hundreds of cities were destroyed. The archaeologists can go in there and find the layer of ash. Sometimes find the weapons of whoever these people were that destroyed these cities. Sometimes find natural disasters as part of the problem. But the main thing that jumps out at you when you discover and study this end of the Bronze Age, the collapse of the Bronze Age, is that it's not really apparent what caused it. I mean, what you know is you have a period of hundreds of years of stability before it. You have giant empires and states that were in power for centuries, who had built technologically sophisticated and expensive armies, who had trade routes that traded with people farther away than probably any people had ever traded with anyone in human history before. And that itself was creating more wealth higher standards of literacy, improvements in human life. And as I keep saying, then something happened. And the little bits and fragments of information you get from the empires that were writing stuff down at this time period only deepen the mystery, only make you want to know more. And it takes a rather profound historical event to shake human beings so much that 3,000 years later, the panic and fear and uncertainty come through in the writings. We don't have a lot from this period, by the way, and a lot of what we do have, and when I say we, I don't mean historians, I'm not a historian, I mean human beings, human culture, and human understanding doesn't know a lot about. That era, and there's not a lot to go on, and a lot of what we have to go on needs to be taken with a grain of salt. For example, some of the best accounts of what was going on in that strange era between 1300 BC and 1100 BC come from our friends the Egyptians. The Egyptians were at the end of their golden age, matter of fact, uh, at the collapse of the Bronze Age, they had on the throne probably the last great Egyptian pharaoh, native-born Egyptian pharaoh, a guy named Ramses III. And there are carvings and inscriptions on temple walls, among other things, discussing some of these events that were going on. And yet, as I said, Egyptian art and Egyptian record-keeping all was connected to making the pharaoh look better, let's just say. Take it with a grain of salt. For example, there's a... uh, Any battle inscription you see from classical Egypt shows the pharaoh killing all the enemy practically himself. Never show any Egyptian dead. It's always enemy dead in these uh, carvings. And right there, you think, well, shoot, if I took this carving at face value, I'd think the Egyptians won every battle overwhelmingly all the time and that the pharaoh played a very big part. But of course, we know that's not true. That's what they call A court illustration had a purpose in mind beyond just cataloging the facts. So when you take that into account, though, and you also read what the Hittite civilization left behind, and their records, by the way, are much more recent in terms of discovery. We've only been delving into the Hittite records um, for a few decades, whereas man has been examining the Egyptian records for a very long time. But the records of people like the Egyptians seem to show that, as one historian put it, there was an ominous silence developing from the northern part of the world right before this whirlwind of whatever it was hit. It was almost as if you had communications with the whole world, and then all of a sudden, at, at the very north of the world, the communication stopped. And then a few years later, it stopped a little south of that. And a few years later, it stopped a little south of that. Basically, you had a darkness moving across the known world at that time, the Egyptians' world, the Mediterranean world. And there are a lot of theories about what happened. The theory that I grew up with had to do with probably the most knee-jerk possible reason that the ancient world of the Bronze Age, collapsed. And the knee-jerk reason was war. When I was growing up, they would teach us that the reason that these states in the Near East fell, the reason the economies collapsed, the reason the trade routes fell apart, the reason the starvation happened, and the reason all these cities were destroyed was because a foreign invader did it. And there's a foreign invader to place the blame on, by the way. A group that we in modern times call the sea peoples. Now, that's not what the Egyptians called them. The Egyptians had names for all of the specific tribes of these peoples of the sea. But modern historians have lumped them all into a group, the peoples of the sea. And the traditional historical outlook has always been well, you know, these peoples of the sea were like ancient Vikings. And they destroyed the trade routes, and they were involved in tons of piracy, and any of these civilizations that were connected to the sea at all were invaded, and with the exception of the most powerful of them, Egypt, were conquered and overrun, leading to a new dark age. Now, there's a lot of historical evidence that would back up such a claim. But more modern historians have been asking interesting questions about the collapse of the Bronze Age and the role that the peoples of the sea played in it. And one of the most interesting questions was a chicken and egg kind of question. Were the Sea Peoples responsible for the collapse of the Bronze Age? Or was there something about the Bronze Age collapsing that created the conditions where the Sea Peoples went out and did what they did? And one of the possible reasons some historians have proposed was famine. There's a whole bunch, you know, i got a whole list in front of me of some of the theories out there for the collapse of the ancient world. Climate change is a perfect example of one of them. That crops failed and droughts happened, and there's some historical evidence for that. And that these people who were starving eventually set out to find greener pastures or, in some cases, simply to take food from neighbors they knew had food. And that might account for why these peoples of the sea took to their boats in the first place. There's other theories, by the way, too. Um, Natural disasters. I guess you could say drought is a natural disaster and climate change is a natural disaster, but earthquake is a classic regional problem, as are volcanic eruptions. As a matter of fact, near the end of the Bronze Age, the uh, island of Thera, as it was called then, it's known as Santorini now, the island of Santorini uh, had a volcanic eruption that... Destroyed the majority of the island. Easily could have led to tsunamis. Some historians have said that uh, one of the possible reasons that states who 100 or 200 years before easily would have brushed off these seaborne invasions by peoples of the sea couldn't do this because tsunamis had destroyed their whole naval fleets in port. It's a possibility. As I said, this is one of the great mysteries of history. And all these theories that can be thrown out are tantalizing examples of what historians can put together based on the evidence they can reconstruct. And this is nothing new, by the way. An event that we mentioned earlier, the collapse of the Western Roman Empire, one of the seminal events in, I was going to say, modern history. It's really ancient history. But compared to this stuff we're talking about, it's closer to our time period, the collapse of the Roman Empire, the Western Roman Empire, than the end of the Bronze Age was to the Roman Empire. That's how long ago we're talking about. But we still have historians debating what the reason for the fall of the Roman Empire was. And as I said, it's a relatively recent event with lots of documentation compared to the collapse of the Bronze Age. The end of the very, very old world. But to continue on the Roman line of thinking, one of the proposed reasons Rome might have fallen are the so-called Volkerwanderung, the wandering of the peoples, the mass migrations of the Germanic tribes, this too, a classic old history example of what the reasons for the Roman Empire falling might have been. The Goths, the Vandals, the Burgundy, the Lombards, all these Germanic peoples that were putting pressure on the Roman Empire. When I was growing up, one of the things that they would say was, you know, you had this rich civilization that was a temptation to all these dirt poor barbarian German types. Well, the same equation holds true for ancient times. You had these seas of civilization, these oases of great cities and states with lots of wealth and prosperity and intelligent people and money and trade routes and stuff. Yet all these dirt, poor tribes of human beings who were less civilized looking longingly towards the wealth. And if some of these natural disasters that we mentioned earlier also came into play, that might have been enough to push some of these peoples, these barbarians, for lack of a better word, over the edge. And that's what the records from Egypt seem to show. We don't know why the sea people showed up, but the Egyptian records make it clear that they did, and that it was a difficult foe for them to face. I'll give you an example. There's an inscription on um, Ramses III's mortuary temple in a place called Thebes, not Greek Thebes, Egyptian Thebes, and um, the inscription says, cutting to the middle. As for the foreign countries, they made a conspiracy in their islands. All at once, the lands were on the move, scattered in war. No country could stand before their arms. Hatti, Kizuwatna, Karkamish, Arzawa, and Aliyah were all cut off. A camp was set up in one place in Amuru. They desolated its people, and its land was like that which has never come into being. They were advancing on Egypt while the flame was prepared before them. Their league was Peleset, Sheker, Shekelesh, Danyan, and Weshesh, united lands. They laid their hands upon the lands to the very circuit of the earth, their hearts confident and trusting that our plans will succeed. Ramses is telling you about a conspiracy. He's telling you that these people who all lived to the north of Egypt, these waterborne people, were working together. And that they were striking these other lands that the Egyptians mentioned that were all wiped out. And the Egyptians knew they were gone because the Egyptians had kept regular written contact with all these other states. And then all of a sudden the contact would just cease. Or sometimes they'd get a panicked letter saying, help us, send aid, we're under attack, or we've got this problem, or what And then nothing. Uh, Ramses, in typical Egyptian pharaonic boasting then said of what happened with these people who made a conspiracy to attack the great states of the region. He says, I slew the Denyan in their isles. The Cheker and the Peleset were made ashes. The Shardana and the Weshesh of the sea, they were made as those who exist not. Taken captive at one time, brought as captives to Egypt like the sand of the shore. I settled them in strongholds bound in my name. Numerous were their classes. As in hundreds of thousands, I taxed them all in clothing and grain from the storehouses and granaries each year. Now, Ramses III might feel confident, boasting about how badly he defeated these peoples of the sea, but whatever had happened weakened his country so much that it was not long for the world either. Egypt may have been proud to beat off the attacks that had done so much damage to all of Egypt's regional rivals, but they were mortally wounded as well. And there's more. There are letters... I mean, this is the part I love about history. When archaeologists find a city and they start doing the archaeology, they find things that bring emotion back. Human feelings from three millennia ago. I mean, for example, the leader of the city of Ugarit, which is in modern Syria, and which was destroyed at the end of the Bronze Age, and never rebuilt, it was so badly damaged. There was a tablet, a clay tablet, that was found when archaeologists were excavating Ugarit, and the tablet was still in the kiln, drying. Well, obviously never finished drying, because the leaders of Ugarit were sending letters, asking for help, and apparently what they were asking for help from got to them before the letters could be dried even. Um, here's one. It says, The enemy ships are already here. They've set fire to my towns and have done very great damage in the country. This is a letter, by the way, from one of the leaders of Ugarit to the Egyptian pharaoh. Did you not know that all my troops were stationed in the Hittite country and that all my ships are still stationed in Mykia and have not yet returned? The country is thus abandoned to itself. Consider this, my father, which he was a term of respect for the pharaoh. Consider this, my father. There are seven enemy ships that have come and done very great damage. Now, if there are any more enemy ships, let me know about them so I can decide what to do. Well, whoever wrote that tablet almost assuredly died in whatever happened at Ugarit before that tablet dried in the kiln. As I said, you can hear the panic. And by the way... Whatever did happen at the end of the Bronze Age left all these wealthy cities in ruin. The civilization in what's now Turkey would not get back to its former glory for another thousand years. The Greeks were plunged into a dark age. The literacy plummeted. Whole languages disappeared. International trade was devastated. And as I said, when I was growing up, all the blame for this cataclysm was put on the Sea Peoples. So who were these Sea Peoples? If they're going to get all the blame, might as well know a little something about them. Well, there are lots of theories. Lots of good books out there, too, you can get on the collapse of the Bronze Age, the coming of the Greeks. Those are some of the names, by the way. And, um, and just what it was that was occurring. One of the problems we have, by the way is that many of these ancient writings, especially the Egyptians, don't give you vowels, A-E-I-O-U. So a lot of the names that historians have found for these tribes that make up these sea peoples, they were not one people, a bunch of different tribes, the Egyptians just named them all, uh, and we call them sea peoples. The names are without the vowels. So, for example, one of the sea peoples that we're pretty confident we have the name we, human beings, have the name for are the Peliset, But the pelisset in the inscriptions are written as P-L-S-T. You put an E in there, historians do, archaeologists do, in the hopes that an E-A sound is the most likely sound you might end up with. And the Pellicet, historians are pretty confident, ended up settling in the area we call the Levant now which is where Syria and the Holy Land is mixing with the indigenous population and becoming the Philistines and if you wonder who the Philistines are they of course have biblical fame just pronounce the name Philistine differently Palestine and you get Palestine and Palestinian pretty easily the Pelisset were believed to have settled as the Vikings did in eastern Great Britain for example, I told you you can compare the the Vikings and the Sea Peoples in a lot of ways. All seaborne raiders, maybe, have similar things about them. But when the Pellicet mixed with a local Canaanite population, you ended up with a New Peoples who would then play a big role in that region after that Dark Age period, after the collapse of the Bronze Age, lifted. As a matter of fact, that, to give you a time frame reference, you have the collapse of the Bronze Age, you have this terrible Dark Age afterwards, and then the next era where human beings are again on the march of civilization is the era cataloged in the Hebrew Bible where the Philistines, as I said, play a big role. So who were these people? The Peleset just won, but you had the Luca and the Shekelesh and all these different, the Shardana. Who are these people? Well, historians have been trying to piece this together forever and they use the words of the tribal names because that's all you have to go on. In the same way that you can say, well, Peleset, Philistine, Palestine. They tried to do that with all the names, but the rest of the names are not as obvious as Peleset. But historians have identified some of these sea people tribes they think ended up founding Sicily and Sardinia and Lycia, which is in Turkey. One of these tribes may even be an Israeli Hebrew tribe of Dan, although doubtful but it's been proposed. And some of these sea people tribes may also be the same groups of people who attacked Troy in Homer's Trojan Wars. We like to say it was the Greeks, but remember the people in Greece during the period we're talking about were really more proto-Greeks. You know, they would become the Greeks we know today. And the Achaeans, who were the people, the Greek people who fought the Trojans in the Trojan War, may have been one of these sea people tribes. We don't know. Lots of theories. There are even theories out there, to get a little more out there, that uh, Atlantis, the legend of Atlantis, dates from this period, and that Atlantis was the island of Thera, or Santorini, and that when Plato wrote about an advanced culture on an island that was destroyed, that he was talking about a Minoan type of civilization, which certainly would have seemed advanced to the people who came in the Dark Age after the golden years of the Bronze Age, Um, it may have been Thera or Santorini, and that the eruption of the volcano there um, was part of what prompted the dominoes that ended up with the collapse of the Bronze Age. In other words, you have a Violent volcanic eruption, followed by a tsunami, followed by drought, followed by destruction, followed by migrations of peoples, and once—you know, it's 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 funny, ladies and gentlemen, but when you realize, just look at our modern culture, how intertwined it all is, and how if you removed one of the important pillars, you know, like a pick-up sticks game, and you pulled an important stick out, the whole house of cards could come down. Well, there's a lot of theories about the end of the Bronze Age which suggest that something like a systems collapse was at work. That the region had become so dependent on its system, the trade routes, for example, but many others, to survive, that the population levels in the region were allowed to reach unnatural sizes because you could feed more people because these trade routes were so productive and rich, that once those trading routes became endangered, once they stopped providing the food and necessities of life that the people in that part of the world had become accustomed to, that the populations had exploded to sizes that could only be fed through these far-flung trade routes, that it that, that might have been the crucial stick holding up their house of cards. That might have been the key domino that once it was tipped over, all these other effects happened, wiping out a world that was tenuously hanging by that little teeny stick in the Pick Up Sticks game. Well, I don't pretend to know. As I said at the beginning of this piece, for me, if I get to have ten mysteries of human history solved for me when I pass out of this world onto the other side, uh, that's one of the ones I'd like to know. Because... In all human history, that's one of the great, horrific events. And if you can only imagine living through it, it would seem as though your whole world fell apart. And a hundred years after the collapse of the Bronze Age, that area of the world is unrecognizable. The states that had existed and were powerful before the coming of the Sea People and all these events were mostly gone. Egypt was a shadow of its former self. New powers were arising in the east. Babylon was back. Assyria was on the march. The Elamites in Persia. The new Proto-Greeks in Greece. This was the new world. The post-Sea People's world. And even as the archaeologists continue to excavate, even as the translators continue to try to figure out what the documents in the former Hittite empire say and continue to read the Egyptian documents and continue to look for more evidence from the Linear B tablets in uh, what was Mycenae in Greece, um... As more of this info becomes available, we may yet find out what happened at this most crucial crossroads of human history, but I'm figuring it's not going to happen in my lifetime. But you know, just because I won't find out exactly what happened to end the Bronze Age doesn't mean there isn't important stuff that we can learn from the collapse of that system. If nothing else, it's a cautionary tale, isn't it? It's something to remind us that this world around us that seems so stable, so interconnected, so solid, still rests on some tenuous sticks just as the Bronze Age did. And those people living in 1300 BC, for example, they felt as confident about their world existing forever as we do. It's a human thing. You look around you, everything looks permanent. You can't imagine change on the sort of scale that the people who lived through the collapse of the Bronze Age had to deal with. And yet, history shows that set of circumstances reappearing over and over and over again. It's like we said, human civilization progresses like the bunny hop dance. Two steps forward, one step back. I think you can make a case. We have had in the modern world a very long period of an unbroken civilization to build upon. Haven't had a major disruption, even though world wars were not the sorts of disruptions that we're talking about in the end of the Bronze Age. I mean, there's very few historical events that we can compare to that. The fall of the Western Roman Empire, for example, one of them. But imagine if something that was a major pillar of our society now went down. How much more or less likely would we be able to handle a systems collapse than our ancestors did? Because if history shows anything, it shows that eventually, systems collapse. If you'd like to help spread the word about hardcore history, vote for the show on PodcastAlley.com. December 7th, 1941. A date which will live in infamy. It's history. It's one small step for man... One events. leap for mankind. The events. Let the word go for humanity. From this time and place, the figure. I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein violiner. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this world. The drama. 8-6 to Manhattan, urgent. Marine 6, Tower 2 has had a major explosion and what appears to be a complete collapse surrounding the entire area. I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know deep whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. If we dig deep in our history and our doctrine, and remember that we are not descended from fearful men...